It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, here we are then. Uh, it's the end of yet another week in the dangerous world of the coronavirus pandemic. What have we learned? I'll tell you what we've learned. Nicola Sturgeon is out to make a name for herself, no matter what the cost is to her own people. The First Minister of Wales is a grade A nincompoop, and I still can't remember his name. Teachers in unions are more frightened of going back to work than those who are not in unions. Angela Rayner has terrible taste in shoes. China says there was no corona cover-up, so that's all right then. And Keir Starmer has managed to take Labour's popularity down 1% to 32% uh, against a very buoyant Tory party. So don't listen to all of those numpties who keep claiming uh, that he's the new messiah and that he's going to take Labour to victory in the polls, because apparently he ain't. And also now, we have a roadmap out of the economic disaster that COVID-19 has created. Coming up this morning, we have a host of great guests to help guide you through the morass of disinformation, propaganda and plain nonsense that is being produced out there. Sunday Times and Sun columnist Rod Little joins us with his take on how the government is doing and how the coronavirus lockdown is basically going. Also, SDP leader William Clouston will be here with his party's take on how to deal with the virus. And of course, on the busiest week yet since lockdown began, we want to hear from you. What are you seeing out there? What are you doing? And what are you hearing? Lots and lots of people have gone back to work this week. Lots of people, of course, never stopped working, as we are now finding out for sure. Uh, and it looks as though the football is back in Germany as well this weekend. So you'll have something to watch on the old television. 0344 499 Professor Carol Sikora is on with us too, with the latest on the medical front, where we're being told that London now has the smallest outbreak figures of the whole of the country. Some people are saying, is that because everybody was always out and about, and maybe there's some kind of herd immunity going on? Also, Isle of Wight MP Bob Seeley will tell us how the rollout of the coronavirus app is going and consumer journalist Georgie Frost will be stopping by with more advice to you if you are self-employed. 0344 499 1000 plus it's Friday so it's time for the Perrier Awards in the company of Marta Malagon and homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. You're listening to me Mike Graham on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is of course Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, the last time I spoke to the man I'm about to speak to, we were in the midst of uh, trying to figure out what was going on with Brexit, which seems so long ago, uh, I can barely remember it. Rod Little, a very good morning to you. <laughs> good morning, mate. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. How's, uh, how's lockdown going for you? Well, lockdown uh, well, is pretty acceptable for me. I live out in the country, so it's, yes. uh, it's not been a great imposition. Um, I can see that it's a great imposition for Londoners. Um, but... Uh, uh, listening to what you were saying about lockdown, I find myself on the other side of the argument, frankly, mm. uh, which is uh, unusual for me. And quite a few of the people who read my columns are calling me various names under the sun. It may well be that the uh, low infection rate now in London is a consequence of lockdown. Yes. You know, it's, it's, uh, the, the highest infection rate was just as lockdown started. Right. And it's come down all the way since then. Mm. So listen, I think there's a bunch of non-sequiturs going on out there, which is, you know, 
lockdown kind of has worked. Well, I think he has. Uh, I, no, I'm with you on that. I actually have a, a, a weekly conversation with Peter Hitchens, who's obsessed with the idea that we should never have done it and that we should be much more like Sweden uh, because he knows some people who live in Sweden. But, I mean, at the end of the day, clearly what they did was they did the lockdown in order to stop there being a ma massive problem at the, at the hospitals with loads and loads of people turning up and there not being enough beds for them. That worked. And if it now turns out that we've got a very small number of infections now happening, then it, then it clearly worked. Yes, I think that's right. Uh, and it might mean that maybe Sturgeon et al. are not necessarily wrong because it's taken Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland are behind us in the curve mm. and particularly behind London. So you can add a couple of weeks on, yes. probably, to, to whatever the, the situation is there. Uh, I'm still, you know, wary of the, of the lockdown being lifted. Um, it seems to me that that, that it's not medical or scientific advice in, in so far as there is any medical and scientific advice which is objective. I don't think there is. Mm. Uh, none of them agree with each other. Well, that's the problem, um, isn't it? I mean, never has the is, phrase, yeah. we are following the science, been so kind of meaningless. Well, no, absolutely. And I, I remember uh, sniggering a few uh, right back in early March when a few columnists said, well, at last, um, some of my uh, uh, columnist colleagues were saying, at last, we're going to be ruled through a form of objectivity via science. Yes. Uh, how naive that was, you know. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I must admit, I mean, I'm quite happy to, to admit to my failings at the beginning of it all. I didn't really think that it was as bad as it was going to be. I never really thought that, uh, you know, I was one of those who had the argument about the flu and how many people die from the yeah. flu every year. Yeah. And I was not at all convinced that coronavirus was going to be any worse. And in, in a bizarre sort of way, that has turned out to be true. But yet, it's a very alarming situation and you can't ignore every other country in the world reacting in the same way that we did. Well, no, exactly. And, and you know, in fairness, in comparison to flu, um, I think the figures are it's something like five times more lethal. Yes. But, of course, it's the oldest who are, who are at most risk. I suppose I might be motivated in coming to these conclusions by the fact that on April the 1st this year, I got my senior citizen's rail card, <laughs> which I haven't well, been able to use. No, of course. And also, luckily, you didn't pay for it, because if you had done, you'd been told by the uh, national rail people that if you haven't used it tough, you'll still have to buy a new one next year, and we won't give you yes, a discount, exactly, which is what they're doing. Exactly. You know. Is that what they're doing? Yeah, well, yeah that's what they're doing, yeah. Exactly. That doesn't surprise me. No. But, I mean, that's the other interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm similar to you, slightly like, slightly younger, but, I mean, I don't actually know whether I'm at risk in some way, shape or form. I've been fortunate enough not to get it. Um, we're now seeing on the front page of The Times today that Boris Johnson's going to launch a war on fat, uh, which apparently yeah. would certainly include me. Um, and yeah. I used to smoke for about 40 years, even though I don't. I know you still do. So my lungs, presumably, are not in great shape. So uh, I well, actually... Uh, well, I, hang on a sec, hang on a sec. Start smoking again, mate. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not, Are you buying this nicotine thing then? Oh, without question. Right. I mean, of the one thing which you can be pretty sure, the rate of infection amongst people who smoke is much, much, much lower. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 and that's from five or six reports, both from America, China, and indeed France. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think it was 1.4% of people admitted to hospital in China were smokers, mm. when 50% of the country smokes. Then there was a study from the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, which, which found similar results. And in France, they're giving nicotine patches to people who don't smoke mm. in order to help them fight the virus. Yeah, that's so amazing, I, isn't it? It's incredible. I mean, we, 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 we know that, that, that there are a few illnesses, very few, that, that smoking... Um, actually protects you a little bit against, such as Parkinson's disease. Right. And there's a couple of forms of cancer. But, but uh, 
it's very difficult for the health establishment to accept this. Mm. <laughs> they won't. And, of course, in the long run, you know, smoking will kill me. Uh, Well, I mean, something will kill you, and it would be be the old age-old question, did you die of smoking or die with smoking? You know, that's what they say. And, I mean, that's the other weird thing, is that this business of, uh, you know, many obese people have been found to be adversely affected. Most of the country now is considered to be obese, so the fact that the obesity rate for people with coronavirus is high surely is just a reflection of the, the state of the nation, isn't it? I think it probably is, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed uh, your piece last week in the Sunday Times about how inured we had become to actually eating decent food and the fact that we'd eaten so much fast food over the years had basically changed the way that we live. It totally changed the way we live, changed our high streets, um, changed changed family dynamics as well in that, you know, uh, by and large, people don't anymore sit down together for an evening meal, but mm. they may just have done a bit more during the last eight weeks. Yes, uh, uh, or at least one would hope they did. Um, and uh, it's, there's loads of statistics which, which suggest that families do a lot better uh, and the kids are a lot better off, both mentally and physically, mm. if they sit down and have a nice family meal of an evening with their parents. Yes. Well, an amazing stat that you quoted, that one in five meals in America is eaten in a car. Yeah, they are. That's they incredible. Are savages. They're savages, Mike, aren't they? They are. really are, it has to be said. I mean, I, might, I may never go back there, of course. I was Normally, I go. my mother lives there, my sister lives there, uh, and together in Connecticut. My mother's 96. I normally go once a year. I may never get back there. I don't know when the airlines are going to start running again, and if they are running, whether they're going to charge me sort of 25 grand for a New York Kennedy uh, arrival ticket. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's terrible. I mean, I was due to go there on my 60th birthday for, yeah. a, for a nice train journey down to New Orleans. Nice. Uh, which, it transpired, was the very centre of the epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the kind of a, a Cheltenham of America, isn't it? Because it was the place where they decided to go ahead with Mardi Gras no matter what. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. And uh, the Cheltenham Gold Cup was a mistake, I think we can all... I think we can agree. But don't you also... And, and, and the Madrid game, the Liverpool-Madrid yes. game. Yes. But also uh, the other thing that's interesting is that I remember when they cancelled the Ireland-Italy rugby match from the Six yeah. Nations, right? And I remember talking to somebody in Dublin at the weekend that the match hadn't gone ahead. But all of the Italians who had booked tickets and had booked flights and had booked hotels in Dublin came anyway. Because they thought, well, we might as well have a great weekend yeah, in, well in great Dublin. Weekend. So, so yeah, I mean, actually cancelling it didn't make any difference. No, no, indeed. But we were a bit... I, I, I thought at the time that we were a little bit slow off the... Off the yes, I think so. Uh, off, and, 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 you know, I think it was something like... this an astonishing figure, something like 18 million flights came into Great Britain yes. uh, up to the start of lockdown. And we, we could have been a bit sharper. In well, I think so. I mean, I remember asking um, a, a, a virologist, one of the many virologists that we now speak to on an almost daily basis, back in the end of sort of January, when America started testing people as they were coming off planes. And I said, you know, why are we not doing that? And he said, oh, there's no why need. Are we not doing that? Absolutely yeah. no need to do that. It doesn't really catch anybody. You know, at the best, you'll do one in five of the people who are infected. I'm like, well, it's better than nothing. But worse well, than that, than nothing. We, we were accepting flights from Beijing, from Tehran, which had one of the highest incidences of coronavirus, uh, and northern Italy. I went to meet my daughter, who was flying in from uh, from Dubai, um, at Gatwick one day, and two flights ahead of her were from Venice and, uh, yeah. and Rome, you know? Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. And, and, and they're still coming in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. Uh, and, and the argument that it won't make much difference has been proved to be false. I yes. mean, the countries which really imposed restrictions very early on 
whether it be Vietnam uh, or Singapore or indeed Germany, mm. um, uh, have all seen a far better uh, consequence uh, at the end of yeah. it. Uh, so where do you stand on the, uh, the sort of usefulness or otherwise of, of the Boris Johnson government? Because obviously there are those out there who would like to blame Boris Johnson for practically everything that's ever gone wrong in the world, uh, in, including yeah. in, in the history of the world, and others yeah. who, who see a man who is clearly not very well uh, sort of battling through. Yeah, I, uh, well, I think, I mean, leaving sentiment aside, uh, I think we're kind of mid-table mm. uh, <laughs> compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. And if you look at our death rate per capita, we're well below France, Italy and Spain yes. uh, and the USA uh, and soon Russia. Uh, so I, I, think, I think there are a few areas where he's going to be vulnerable. The obvious one is the one which Starmer is going on about at the moment, which is care homes. Yes. Uh, but the question then might be, to what extent was it the fault of the government and to what extent was it the fault of the NHS? Well, that and, and so certainly, pu certainly Public Health England. Uh, Public Health England, yeah. Um, that so many pensioners were kicked out of their hospital beds and sent to care homes mm. in order to prepare for the coronavirus. Um, and it was a death sentence in many cases. Yeah. Although that seems to be based on a rather flimsy Sky News report where somebody was wheeled out to say that, you know, the care homes were practically um, sort of, you know, um, press-ganged into doing it. And I'm not quite sure what that means. Does that mean they were press-ganged into doing I, it or practically... I think they were told to do it. Yeah. Uh, it seems as if they were. And certainly the anecdotal evidence from, from people uh, I know who've been in hospital with, with, this, with, with, an, with a non-COVID illness uh, are saying that if they were of a certain age, they were hurried to get out and asked, you know, when can you leave and uh, do you feel better and get out, you know. Uh, I, think, I think the care home stuff is a problem. It's a problem for Boris. It's a problem for the NHS, which, of course... I'm afraid is now uh, uh, you cannot assail it in any possible way. No, <laughs> it's something we all pray to every day, despite the fact <laughs> that it's not actually terribly efficient. Well, what we also know is that one of the reasons why the testing regime in this country is so bad is that because it's all been centralised by Public Health England, and in places like yeah. Germany where it's privatised, where you can go to individual labs and have them do the testing rather than it all having to be agreed by some Politburo, it's a lot more efficient. Well, no, that's exactly right, and. Yeah, we've got to face up to this at some point. We, we believe the NHS to be this magnificent thing, and there's no question that the people who work for it are magnificent and do a brilliant job. They should be paid more and given better protection. Yes. But if you do a if you do a study, and Bloomberg has done a study, and there's also another, I forget the name uh, of the institution which looks at healthcare around the world. Mm. Uh, the NHS performs really, really badly. Yes. Uh, it's, it's never in the top ten in Europe. It's below the Czech Republic, Estonia, Portugal, you know, and, and we, I think at some point we, we're going to have to face up to this, that, that something fundamental needs to be done to the NHS. I don't know if my own party boss, who's on later, William, will agree with me about this. Uh, but uh, I think there's no question that there are many things that we've discovered throughout the course of the last two months that, that are inefficient about the way that we run our public services, not just the NHS, but looking at TfL. I mean, look at Sadiq Khan, yeah. who yesterday went with his begging bowl, effectively, and sort of tried to blackmail the government, saying, 1.6 billion, please, otherwise I'm going to shut down uh, the transportation system in London, which he has already crippled, by the way, by taking trains away from it when the people needed them most.
Well, indeed, and failing again, and very blithely failing mm. um, to give train drivers and bus drivers decent protection, yeah. which isn't very expensive. I think the PPE kits are somewhere like 16 quid each yes. you can get them for. Well, I mean, you can um, get masks in my local dry cleaners, you know, because they're, well, they're nothing if they're not, um, you know, kind of inspirationally uh, entrepreneurial. You know, they're selling hand gel, they're selling, uh, yeah. you know, face wipes, they're selling masks, they're selling gloves, because they can. Oh, I have to say I have to say that one of the heroes of uh, lockdown, without question, has been the corner shop. Yes. Um, I, and particularly, uh, I, and it, it's, it's, um, the corner shops around where I am are, are run by um, a couple of Muslim guys who are absolutely brilliant. Yes. They stepped up to the plate from day one. Now, obviously, it means their income has gone up a lot. But, you know, they were making trips to London of 70 miles there, 70 miles back right. at three o'clock in the morning to go to wholesalers, Yes, you know, and coming back with everything we needed. I will not go back to the supermarkets. I will stick to my... No, I mean, I must admit, I have I had a similar experience. I now go to Borough Market as often as I possibly can because not only to keep the guys going there, but also the stuff is much better quality. And, very and, good quality, and, you yeah. don't, and you don't also have to queue up for hours and hours on end to get in. I still don't yeah, understand right. why people are doing that. I mean, the Great British queue surely has become the kind of watchword for this whole pandemic, hasn't it? I think it has, yeah. And uh, I mean, going to supermarkets is an, is a, is an obnoxious experience at the moment. Well, it always uh, was, really, wasn't it? And it always kind of was. Yeah, mind you, if you're shopping at Borough Market every day, you'll be skint by the end of the month. <laughs> well, actually, you say that, but actually, like, the vegetable place is no more expensive it's, than, it's, than, than, it's than your right. average your yeah. average did. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're buying, and I, I don't wish to give away my middle-class credentials here, but if you're buying asparagus and broccoli and tomatoes and, you know, smoked garlic, um, it's the same price as it would be anywhere else. Well, yeah, you're probably right. I get, a, I get a delivery. I mean, being privileged, living out here in the country, I get a delivery from the local uh, 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 farmer's market. Oh, very nice. Which is, which is basically a bunch of hipsters who yes. rub mud onto potatoes <laughs> to make them look like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they take them out of the plastic bag. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, listen, um, well, hopefully, at some point or other, you may indeed be able to return to these parts, and, and we may... I'm quite confident that in July there will be some kind of beer garden scenario going on where you will yeah, be able no, to actually go and have a pint somewhere. Yeah, and there should be a special section of the beer garden for people who want to stay safe and smoke. Yes, yeah, so, so... You're already getting a, a lot of clog on Twitter, by the way, for some smoker trying to justify smoking. <laughs> well, I'm not... To, no, no but, 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 I mean, Twitter is the land of the mental. Yes. Uh, but, but obviously, smoking is far, 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 far more dangerous uh, than the coronavirus. There yeah. is no question about that. But that doesn't negate the fact that in this instance, it may provide some protection against the coronavirus. The, the two things can be can be the same, you know? Yes, no, uh, absolutely right. Well, listen, are you back in the Sunday Times this weekend? Yeah, I am. Yes, yes, yes. I think I'll be having a go at China. Uh, yes. I haven't had a go at China. 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 You have to pronounce it yeah. China. <laughs> I'm going to stick up for Brian Adams, I think. Yes, well done. Excellent. Top man. Rod, great to talk to you. Take it easy. Rod Little, uh, Sunday Times columnist, Sun columnist, of course, as well. Read him in the Sunday Times. Having a go at China uh, is all the rage at the moment because, of course, yesterday, rather laughably, they were hilariously and very enthusiastically reporting on Sky News uh, that the Chinese ambassador to the UK had said there had been no cover-up. Well, that's all right, then. <laughs> 
We'll certainly take you at your word, mate. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, let us go straight to the Isle of Wight. Bob Seeley, a Conservative MP for the Isle of Wight, a man who has spoken out on many occasions about the whole situation with China, which we'll get to as well. But let's talk, first of all, uh, Bob, a very good morning to you, um, about, the, uh, about the app which was launched last week. How's that all going? I think the app's going pretty well, actually. I mean, um, we had a, a figure of 73,000 views in the 5pm daily briefing yesterday. I mean, that takes a bit of contextualising because it's clear not all of those folks were from the island and some people may have downloaded it and then taken it off and then downloaded it again, etc. But I think broadly, we've got a take-up rate of at least 66% and probably over 70% here. That's very good, isn't it? Because there were misgivings about whether you could reach that kind of uh, uh, sort of penetration, if you like. Yeah, there were. But I just think most of the misgivings, I have to say, look, most of the misgivings are based on ignorance because people say, oh, the Isle of Wight is yeah. this or that. You surprise that. me, Bob. Uh, and, then, and then when I say, what do you know about the Isle of Wight? They say, I haven't got a clue, don't know anything. Yeah. Well, why, do you, why do you ask? I mean, I, I'm, basically, uh, if we think it's a good idea, we'll download it. And we're a small community here. And I have to say, if islanders think something's worth doing, we tend to all collectively do it. We love the island. We yeah. love our country. And if we can help do something and it makes us safer, we're up for it. Well, the number of people that I heard when that announcement was made about the app, oh, well, you know, the Isle of Wight's full of old people, none of them have got any phones. I mean, you know, there was something called the Age of Enlightenment once, and I wonder if we've kind of reached the peak of the opposite of that. But, uh, look, I mean, there are old folks who don't have phones here, but the national, okay, the national average for smartphone ownership is about 79%. Okay, let's say it's a touch lower here, let's say 75%. You still have a, you know, a, de a, a, a demographic across ages. So we've got 20... 22, 23, 24,000 under 16 year olds. You've got people of working age. Yeah, we have a slightly older population, but we're not in the top 10 by local authorities for, for, for elderly population. Right. So, interesting. A lot, of, a lot of the prejudices were just that. And actually, you know, as I say, we're, we're very community spirited here, very community orientated. And if we think something is good for our community and for our country, we're up for it. Yes, exactly right. And what sort of length of time will you need before we can draw some conclusions from it to see whether it is actually working? Because I also believe I'm right yeah. in saying that the Isle of Wight actually was relatively COVID-free, was it not? We've had very low COVID, free, uh, COVID rates. Um, the, uh, people started taking learnings uh, pretty much as soon as from day one. And there are two forms of learnings that the NHS X folks tell me that they're getting. Firstly, they're getting technical stuff. So is the algorithm too sensitive? Is it not sensitive enough? You know, they can change the algorithm so they can change how the phones pick up on each other. At the moment, I think it's got to be under two metres for more than 15 minutes. Yes. Uh, and that pings as, as something. But, you know, you can make it more or less sensitive to that. So that's the first issue, the technical one. Second issue, the island, because we have a decent-sized population and we're geographically separate, we're pretty much quarantined mm. now, um, we throw up real-world problems. Yeah. So, for example, you know, the blokes putting, or the, the, the men and women putting together the app hadn't worked out that, you know, not everyone can take their phones when they go to work. Yeah. Prison officers, for example, can't take their phones when they go to prisons. So how do you use, you know, wh what are the real-world yes. problems that have been thrown up by that? So, so there's lots of learnings coming out. We're sending, we're filling out the feedback forms, and we and the council and I are collating our collective learnings from across NHS and voluntary, which will go to other people in the rest of the UK in a week or so. OK, so, so we're, we're moving right along. So, I mean, have, have you yourself been using the app? Have you, as, have you, as... 
I've used it yet, and I am I I'm looking at um, I'm looking at it as we speak. Um, occasionally, I accidentally close it, and it sends a reminder saying, "Please reopen the app." Right. Uh, if I because clearly it's got to be on in the background, but if you turn it off, uh, then it reminds you and says, "Can you please turn me back on?" Which is very good. That is very good, isn't it? Now let's talk a little bit about the China situation. Yesterday we saw the UK uh, ambassador to, uh, to uh, from China saying uh, on an interview on Sky News that basically there was no cover-up in China, uh, which was reported with some glee uh, as if it was true. Now I'm not suggesting that for a minute it might not be true, uh, but it might not be true. Well, um, I think look, I think there's circumstan uh, circumstantial evidence, Mike, to suggest that they were. Um, downplaying it, whether that was official policy or whether it was done regionally. Um, uh, but if you look at also some of the WHO sort of periods of silence on this issue or WHO reassurances that there was no human-to-human -human transmission, even after there had started mm. being human-to-human -human transmission, there are clearly problems with the way that the Chinese dealt with this, and there are clearly problems with the way that the WHO dealt with this. Yes. So I, I'm very, very sceptical. I'm, I'm not sure I believe in particular, I, I'm not sure I'd put that much credence um, on what what a, a Chinese spokesman would no. say, considering that the Chinese uh, Foreign Affairs Ministry has also been pumping out disinformation, claiming that it started in the United States, no. which is a pretty tasteless and foolish thing to well, do. Well, exactly right. And does it change? I mean, you've always been relatively sceptical, should we say, of, of the Huawei uh, deal and so, certainly some of the other yeah, business deals yeah. uh, that we've done with China and are about to yeah. do with China. Should this yeah. change our policy vis-a-vis -vis China? Yes, and, and that is going to happen. I think there is a sea change of thinking and a realisation that we cannot go on as we are going on. Mm. What that new arrangement is going to look like, I don't know. But there are certainly a series of things that we can be doing, the most important of which is realising our strategic dependence. So I wrote a, a report this week with the Henry Jackson Society looking at the amount of things that we are strategically dependent on China for. Yeah. And it is bad. Even if these people were our bestest friends, it is still something that concerns us. Yes. Uh, okay. We get 83% of our Christmas tree lights from China. Right. Should, should we be concerned about that? No. Only a protectionist Santa Claus would be concerned about that. But there are lots of things that actually we should be concerned about, and not just uh, China's desire to dominate uh, advanced communications for geopolitical and economic ends, but also our reliance on basic ingredients in medicine, mm. our reliance clearly we've seen in, in over the COVID crisis, the fact that we don't produce or don't have access, easy access, to the folks who produce medical kit and PP and protective personal yes. kit. You know, we, we need supplies here and we need also to spread the risk of dependency. Yes, and would it also would it also yeah. not be prudent uh, in in rebuilding the economy to actually do a bit of a return to manufacturing things yeah. in this country? Yes, I mean that is going to happen anyway because I think people have in the last few years I think there's been a gentle move away to to find other places to source things from apart from China. But clearly that is now coming to a head. So you see some people moving production to Vietnam, which is, you know, the new China in many ways, which is cheap, slightly cheaper than China and, 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 and still, you know, very good quality. So there are and some people are sourcing back to European countries. Some people yeah. are sourcing to North Africa and Africa or South America. So there are it's one thing being collectively dependent on the entire world. It is another thing being dependent singularly on a country, especially that country, China, is sometimes hostile to democracies and sometimes very adversarial in the tone yes. of and in the actions that it's doing.
And also, they may well move uh, their position as well, because given their power vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the trading situation, I mean, they could very well, if they wished to, withhold things if they became well, a bit more of an aggressive, you know, well, kind of partner. Well, to be honest, there's already evidence that they're doing that, so, so or certainly threatening to do so. Uh. So, I mean, you look at their treatment of Taiwan. Taiwan was picking up really good information about this, the coronavirus. Yeah. You know, it's, it's ethnically Chinese, but, you know, a democracy. Um, and it, there's evidence, uh, certainly circumstantially, that the WHO was effectively leaned on not to deal with Taiwan and not to actually listen to anything they had to say. Yes. And again, all these things were, these things, you know, there are thousands of people who've been dying our, and our economy has been absolutely trashed. Um, and you've got to you've got to wonder if um, how responsible China's been with this. Yes, and would you be interested, or would you press for a kind of um, an assessment of some kind to be made by I don't know the G8 yeah. or the G20 as to what they could do to repair the damage? Well, I, I think I think there's lots of things we could do. We need an inquiry into WHO. We need an inquiry into what happened with China, and actually, did they cover stuff up? But I mean, one of the things that we, about 25 Conservative MPs, wrote to Liz Truss this week over was in the trade bill, there's an upcoming trade bill, which is going to hopefully help us to sign lots of really good free trade deals around the world. We need a statement, an annual statement from government on trade dependency, our trade dependency on non-democratic countries. So, you know, if we start becoming more dependent on Russia for gas, we need to know that. You know, yes. we need publicly to know and understand these risks. Mm. Because what's quite clear is that on disinformation, on China, on pandemics, we have been really complacent. And it's not a problem of any particular government. It's our society since the end of the Cold War has just become complacent. We think we live in a risk-free world, and we don't. No, quite. Closer to home, uh, let's talk about schooling for a moment. Sadiq Khan yeah. is saying that London schools could be opened uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, it yeah. looks very clear to me that the only people who don't particularly want to go back to school are members of uh, rather militant teaching unions. Um, but there is obviously a question mark about how safe it's going to be. Yeah, look, I'm, I, I'm not an expert on these things. I mean, I do think it's slightly concerning the way we just say we're listening to scientific advice. Actually, scientists have differences of opinion yes. themselves. And one of the things that we always need to do, good political judgment is about showing leadership, listening to the different experts, because uh, there are economic, uh, economists who are experts, there were epidemiologists who are experts. You know, there's lots of different experts out there, and it's about taking a, a considered judgment. And it's not going to be the same for every country. Uh, I do want us to try to get back to normal as soon as possible, but I also know there's only one thing worse than the lockdown, and that's having to do the lockdown all over again. Yes, exactly right. And what about the uh, Isle of Wight, as far as uh, you're concerned? Yeah. I mean, would you be happy to see schools opening there? Yeah, I mean, if it's safe to do so. I have two, con I have two audiences here. I have one half of people who are saying we want the lockdown to continue because we're concerned about health. And you've got the, another group of people who are saying we want the lockdown to end because we're desperate to get our kids back to school and our businesses are going under. And a visit, we have a, a, an incredibly vibrant visitor economy here because we're the sunniest place in Britain. We have amazing beaches and downs and we have a unique environment. And, it, and it's actually getting those two to agree collectively that we need we do we're not doing anything risky at the moment and we mustn't be and we need to keep using the app and the tracing and testing scheme to keep ourselves safe but at the same time we need to start planning for the future and a return to normality right. so we can save people's jobs and livelihoods exactly and finally bob um is there any truth to these stories that we keep hearing all very very much a westminster bubble scenario yeah. that there are people within the parliamentary conservative party who are sort of agitating to get boris out uh, I, I have not heard anything about that whatsoever, and I, and I don't believe for one second uh, that is that is um, 
uh, a rumour of any any substance whatsoever. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Bob Seeley uh, reporting into us from the Isle of Wight. Conservative MP for the Isle of Wight uh, believes, yes, it could be time to open some schools, but obviously we have to be very careful about it. We have to be prudent. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Ian Collins coming up at one o'clock, of course. Mark Dolan here from four with the Drive Time Show. Loads going on throughout the course of the day, uh, of course, as we bring you the home briefing uh, from Downing Street. Not quite sure who's doing it today, but we'll let you know as soon as we possibly can. Right now, though, uh, it is that time uh, after 12.30 when the news finishes, we do our little homeschooling section, which has become very popular, I have to say, with an awful lot of people, not just with the children uh, who are listening, but also with their parents as well. So if you're all crowded around the radio or indeed the uh, YouTube channel uh, on your laptop or indeed possibly your television or your Alexa, whichever method you are using uh, to listen to us or watch us, uh, now is the time uh, to get your creativity gloves on because we're going to join now TV presenter Radzi Chinyanganya, uh, who has been on Blue Peter, he's been on Dancing on Ice, he's been all over the place, he's uh, a man of some renown uh, and it's time to say a very warm welcome to him. Radzi, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Very well indeed. You know, we, we, we make uh, what we can of the old uh, uh, the homeschooling thing because I know that uh, a lot of parents are pretty fed up with having their kids around for, for eight weeks and trying to find them things to do other than just on the PlayStation and wandering about the house looking aimlessly for something to do. Uh, <laughs> tell us a bit about Craft Club and what it's all about. Well, yeah, kind of touching on what you're saying there is it's really tough as a parent. I mean, I'm not one, but to suddenly go from... I'm a carer to I'm now a full-time teacher and something that's meant to stimulate, inspire and all those things. And so I came together with some made raisins and said, what could we do for young people that doesn't already exist? 
And so we spoke about the fact that BBC Learning have, have very much ticked that box. But what about being creative yes. and doing it in a way that 10-year-old Radzi from Wolverhampton doesn't need to go out and buy 17 particular things from an art and craft shop, something that's really basic and easy to do and that you want to join in with. And so with that craft club, um, we're going to be making live makes that would possibly help creativity, help your imagination and help around the house. So we do things such as stationary holders, um, dream catchers. Uh, we make a bowling set. We make a number of things which would we thought even in a meta way. So if you're a young person and you're in a living room and you're using a table for a desk, where's your stationery going to be? Right, well, why don't we make a stationary holder that would make them feel good about how their little space looks so they can own that area. But then, in addition to that, they can use that very space to create the thing that we're asking them to, and they can make it as basic or as advanced as they like. And 10-year-old Radley would have given it a good old go, but he wouldn't <laughs> have necessarily been an artistic maestro. Well, so it doesn't really... matter, does it? It's just about having a go at it. I mean, I was never particularly good at arts and crafts. In fact, I was uh, famously once thrown out of my woodwork class for being a bit cheeky <laughs> to the, uh, the guy in the brown coat. But we made, for some reason, we made this wooden elephant that was essentially a matchbox holder and it had a sort of a it had a kind of a weird shaped back so you could stick a, book, a box of matches over it i mean imagine doing that now they'd be like what are you doing you're encouraging smoking for heaven's sake <laughs> but i mean i think people kids nowadays don't use their hands enough really i mean because so many of them are on ipads they're on playstations they're you know they're electronically very very uh, uh, you know wise and, and and very clued up but they're not actually generally speaking doing the old blue peep blue peter you know sticky back plastic type thing Mate, 100%. And actually, somebody said to me uh, quite a long while ago, they said young people now don't get the chance to use their imaginations, partly because they're always stimulated. And I thought, that's really true. I remember as a kid sometimes being bored, so I'd have to think up ideas of what I'm then going to do. And so with this, it's exactly that. If you've got a box of raisins or a tub of raisins, then that makes the, the epicenter, the cornerstone of everything that we do. Yes. And we talk about it being ribbons that are lying around, whether it's paper, wrapping paper, you could use the inside of that, colouring pencils, crayons, felt tip, felt material, whatever you've got, that will work. And I, I, my, my, the way I sort of think, the inception of a lot of my thought is, 10-year-old Radzi from Wolverhampton, would he be able to afford insert X? Yes. And therefore, this is made for exactly him or anyone like him. That if you've got a mum who hoards a lot of things, like my mum does, then that's helpful, but it's not a prerequisite to success with this. So if you don't have a lot lying around, it will still work. You can't be too creative, but equally... It can't be too basic, yes. but it will give mum and dad a chance. Just have a nice cup of tea and a chill for a while. And there are plenty of places. I mean, most supermarkets will sell some of the things that you, you might need, like glue and, 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 you know, scissors if you haven't got them at home. But I, I like the fact that there's a lot of dried pasta involved and, to, and toilet rolls because that's the thing that everybody's got because they all stockpiled it like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, mate. I, I was working at the very start of this whole thing. I was at an event where the production manager bought a bottle of hand sanitizer for £50. And I thought, I mean, that that's mind-blowing to think six months ago you'd have said someone's crazy for doing that. But yeah, whatever you've stockpiled, whatever you've got lying around will work. And the nice thing about this is on Blue Peter, it used to be done in maybe four, five, six minutes in stages. Mm. But in reality, it would take you half an hour. Well, I'm doing this live on the Sunmade Raisins UK Facebook page. So you can do it along with me as I'm making mistakes, I haven't practiced it, it's not rehearsed, it's just me going for it. So whatever I make will be whatever you see. Right. 
Interesting. And as far as the whole kind of um, age range goes, I suppose, I mean, you know, it's probably once you get up to sort of teenage years, it's a bit more difficult to get them to do this kind of thing. But does it need to be more challenging for them? Or, or maybe are you asking them to do something slightly more complex, maybe? Well, I would say that we're, what we're aiming for is pretty much year six and below. So anything up to about 11 years old. I don't feel as though 16-year-old Radzi would have been as bang up for this as maybe 10-year-old Radzi would. Yeah. And, and the way I'm speaking to the people will be to people of that age. So mm. key stage one and key stage two would be our focus. Because I tell you what, I think the whole teenage challenge is a different kettle of fish altogether. Yes, exactly right. So uh, people can uh, find all this online stuff where exactly? That is on the Sun Made Raisins UK Facebook page. And it all starts on Monday. We'll be doing updates on Instagram and on my Instagram as well. And we'll be keeping you informed of, of where you can do that. But yeah, it's live on that Facebook page. Great stuff, Radzi. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Radzi there telling us all about the Craft Club, uh, the Sun Made Raisins page on Facebook. You can find it there. Uh, if you've run out of ideas of what to do with the kids, that's where you go. Uh, get them to build stuff. I mean, I remember my father and I built some, and I didn't really build it. We made a lighthouse scenario. Um, with an old fairy liquid bottle because, of course, they used to be straight up and down bottles as opposed to what they are now. And he was amazing. He made the, We made this kind of papier-mâché sea, which we painted blue. Uh, we did some rocks. We put a boat on it, and it looked great. And it was on all on a base of wood. And I'm not really very good at that kind of stuff. I mean, he did most of it, and I kind of just helped him out. And I painted it, and we did little white horses on the top of the waves. It was really quite interesting. So, I mean, if you can uh, try and encourage your kids to be creative with their hands, they might just really like it, and they might turn into artists. You never know. It's always a good idea uh, to be doing all sorts of different things with them, because I know how tempting it is just to let them hang about in their rooms and play on the PlayStation and talk on the phone and watch YouTube and all of that. But occasionally... When we do the homeschooling 12.30, it's always a good idea to give them an opportunity to do something else because quite often that's what they're looking to do. Um, but in fact, they didn't know they could do it. Do you know what I mean? Let's talk to Nigel, who's up in North London. Hi, Nigel. Good morning. Good afternoon. I always have my pencil, my ruler and my notebook ready for the homeschooling. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. <laughs> well, listen, well, I mean... About... Go on. Sorry. No, sorry, go on. You say, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's been a long time since I've made anything kind of with my hands. I mean, I've, I've encouraged my kids to get into cooking, which they do. Um, mm. But we don't often sort of sit around making anything, really. But, I mean, it's a kind of lost art, I think. Yeah, but it, it, it's a wonderful thing. When you make anything, you feel a sense of satisfaction. Yes. And a sense of... And, and a sense of... There's a tenacious attitude which you develop because you want to get to that next section of, of whatever it is you're making, the next process so it is it's very rewarding yes it's very rewarding it really is yeah. you do it really is um now i rang you about i rang you about um boris and about um local shop i go with local shops first yeah i think it's fantastic to support the local shops it's really important because local shops are dying without customers however yeah. i think local shops could do with a bit of a boost from our wonderful mayor, Sadiq Khan, and oh, indeed yeah. our local borough mayors, to say, you know what, guys, go and visit your local shops, have an hour or 45 minutes free parking, go and get your groceries, go and get your toilets, you're going to go and get, and don't worry about coming out and getting a £50 parking ticket. Yeah, some hope for that. You know, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just too simple, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it would just be so much easier if he or the other mayors got together and say, you know what, Let's get the shops going in, in local areas, doesn't matter where they are, mm. Wimbledon, Wanstead, Barnet, Barking, and let's get people out there shopping and buying stuff. 
Meanwhile, of course, uh, Sadiq Khan's latest manoeuvre uh, is to increase the congestion charge. So, brilliant. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah. Have you heard this? Well, yeah, I have. And, and, and can I tell you something else he's done as well, which is really going to upset you? Go on. I don't know whether you know this. He's turned part lane northbound from three lanes to one lane. No, I saw that yeah, because I saw his picture yesterday when he's, he was unveiling yeah. the new cycle lane. That's right. He's made a cycle lane and a bus lane. So you can imagine the congestion going back as far as Vauxhall, Knightsbridge, Hyde Park Corner. It's going to be immense. It's like, oh, well, there you are. It's down to cars again. Yeah. But no, it's down to your stupid design, I'm afraid to say. And unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the, the Transport for London debacle goes on. He claims that they've run out of money, which is an absolute and utter falsehood, I have to say, because they've got loads of money, Transport for London. Well, they keep spending on cyclones and, of course, increasing his media team, don't they? And well, his uh, presence of, down at the Onion on the... Uh, or the Gurkha, where Rocco is called now. It's just an ugly building down at... Uh, at uh, south of... Uh, or just southeast of uh, Tower Bridge or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to have a mention about Boris. When, when Boris talks about Finney's, I think, I think it's not a very smart remark because there are three body types. There's endomorph, ectomorph and metamorph. So there are... There are three types of bodies, and we're always going to be, all of us fit into those types of bodies. Yeah. So my, my partner, for instance, is a, is a slimmy, mm. or a tiny, whatever you want to call her. She's 42 kilos, and she's five foot four. And she's got a very healthy appetite, God bless her, if she's listening. She, she eats very, very well, of course. But she won't ever put weight on where other people uh, will put weight and other people don't. And, and that's the way we're all designed. I remember during the Olympics... I spent a couple of days with Mo Farah and his trainer in London. I mean, and we just got talking generally. He said, look, Mo Farah will never be like you. You'll never be like Mo Farah because that's your genetics. Yes, right. Well, that's the thing. Also, I mean, as ever, with all of these uh, measurements, and as we, as we discussed, I think, last week, you know, nobody's very sure where obese begins because, on the one hand, there are those who say if you've got a BMI of over 30, uh, you might be obese, but you might not. Mm -hmm. And basically, if you've got one of over 40, then you are. And that's a big difference. Yeah, because I, I think you had a caller rung and he lost about 15, 16 stone. Yeah. And he still said he was obese. Yeah, oh, exactly. Well, I mean, according to the BMI stats, or every single member of the All Blacks would be obese. Yeah. yeah good luck telling them that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's crazy. I photographed your, 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 one of your planks recently today, funny enough. Did you? Enough. Oh, which one? Well, I found Cressida Dick, she wasn't very pleased to see me, I must tell you. Yeah, well. She was, she was wearing a hoodie and wearing jeans. Oh, dear. Walking through, yeah, walking well, through, uh, yeah, walking through Media Land at, at Victoria, uh, yeah, down by, uh, by um, uh, Parliament, and uh, she wasn't very happy to see me. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, never mind. I mean, you're used to that. You're used to people sort of, you know, hurling abuse at you. Nigel's a photographer, of course, for Standard, amongst others. Uh, lots more to do, uh, but not that much time to do it in. Coming next, though, Martin Malagon will be here with the Perrier Awards. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.48, and it is time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Well, we're literally midway through the month of May, and um, it's Friday, and so it can mean only one thing when you hear that music. Marta Malagon is here uh, with another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards. Good afternoon. Very good afternoon. Ooh. 
Uh, are you um, okay? Can you hear everything now? I can hear it now, yes. Okay. Uh, I did not have output at the beginning of the song. That's why I was not dancing. No, I saw that. I'm not boycotting my, no, that's my good. own segment. Be I'm glad stupid. to hear it. Glad to hear it. Anyway, um, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Another good week. Another great week. Actually, well we, it was a fantastic week because yeah. we got those great figures. Oh, my gosh. And we're up massively on the year, which is always pleasing. I mean... We've done, we're doing really we're do, well. We're doing really well, yeah. Some people somewhere are going to be a little bit annoyed at that. I would think so. But, hey. Listen, can't <laughs> make everybody happy. Anyway, I'm going to crack on because I'm on. told that my ad is 57.40. Okay. So uh, I'm getting on with it. Yes. Uh, welcome to the Perry Rewards. Thank you. For the new listeners. Yes. This is where we look back over the last week of the mm, so-called so Independent called. Republic of My Grandma on yes. Talk Radio and choose our favourite moments. Yeah. Okay, yeah, my favourite mm. moments. As it's tradition, the first Perry goes to you. Thank you. And it's the most obvious Perry of the week. Yeah. Coming up now, we're going to be talking to our experts. It's time for our feature in association with which providing... Oh, sorry, no, it's not. It's uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to the news first, aren't we? We're going to do that. Yeah, never mind. Uh, it must be time for um, the old uh, Perrier Awards already. We've already had one from the news department. Then we're going to have one from me now. <laughs> Very good. And, um, if you're Do you know what it was? Because you, were, you guys were talking to me, and you know, when you talk to me, I get very confused. I'm very easily confused. Yes. And so um, I immediately <laughs> thought that we were in a different place. I know. Listen, it happens. It does. You're only human. I uh, am. But, dear listener at home or wherever you are, if you just listen to that claim and you're wondering what the perrier uh, for the news department was, yes. um, here it is. Our news editor, David Spence, has been looking at the statistics. One, two, three, four. <laughs> oh, many apologies there. <laughs> Which statistics fair, was he looking at? Well, uh, to be fair, one, two, three, four could be statistics. It could actually. So you know, no, I think Not there was like a, a little bit of a topping and tailing mm. mistake there. Yes. But, hey, well, again. you know, as you say, these things happen. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and they keep happening. Mm. Uh, every Wednesday, we go to San Diego, California to speak to LaDonna Harvey. Oh, yes. Catch up with her. And this week, she wins a period for the Megan Impression of the Week. Why are you climbing over the fence? <laughs> <laughs> Don't run. Don't run. Stay with me. I love you. <laughs> I've ruined your life, but please, yeah. don't please. Please stay yeah. with me. I don't have anybody else. She's good. She's very good. Yeah. To be fair, she's got on her side that she's American already. And so from the, the same accent, part of yeah. the world, yeah. So the accent is uh, quite spot on. She doesn't have to make it up. But, you know, still very mm. good effort. Yes. Well done. Well done. And, uh, dear listener, here in this so-called independent republic of my Graham on Talk Radio... So-called. Yes. Uh, we give listeners the latest news, interesting debate. But early this week, we also offered the advice of the week. I get the impression that some people would like to stay like this forever. They quite like it. They quite like not having to go to work. They quite like not having to make any decisions. They quite like having the government tell them what to do. Well, do you know what? If that's what you want, go and live in North Korea. This is talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from, really. I don't know either, but it was really amusing. Yeah, it sort of came out of nowhere, really. Yes, yes. but hey. And then I've got that caller who told me off for saying that everybody was swinging the lead and, you know, enjoying themselves in the backside. Ah, uh, yes. Which I hadn't said. You did not say no. that, and uh, yeah, I think I think you told him. I did, and I think you proved your point. And I, I think, think you proved I think that so. you won that one. Thank you, um, Gareth. I think his name was. I can't remember. It could have been Gareth. Yeah. Oh yes, because you said oh, with, um, yeah, car dealership. Anyway, That's him. I, I've Gareth the car I keep dealer. Getting confused. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, we've heard already from uh, newsreader Sandy War, yes. and uh, we're about to hear from her again. Ooh. Believe it or not, on Monday she took part in our homeschooling segment and yes. taught us how to find your own voice. Mm. She also won herself a Perry for the Yawn of the Week. <gasps> it's perfect. <laughs> it wasn't that boring, was it? No, it was not. She was she... being deliberate, right? Yes, yeah, she Please, was. Tell she... Me. 
yes, yes, of course. Right. <laughs> she was uh, teaching us how to open like your yes, throat. Yes, yes. You could do a yawn and, yes, and, of course. and you know, so, but, mm. but no, no, obviously. It was very good, actually. It I, was I enjoyed good, that one. Very good week. segment, and yes. you know, loads of sound effects, mm. uh, lots of uh, putting fingers in mouths and stuff. That was tricky, yeah, because which, uh, I could have got in trouble with that. We could have, yeah. but we did it. Luckily, so we escaped. It's all good. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's time now for the self appointed idiot of the week. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Nadja, thank you very much indeed. It all kicks off Wednesday, May the 20th, I think I'm right in saying. Uh, oh, sorry, no. May the 1st. I, I beg your pardon. May the 13th. Tomorrow, the 13th, it kicks off and it runs until the 3rd of June. I've gone bad. 1pm. Yeah. Sorry, I've, I've, I've suddenly become kind of uh, digitally an idiot. Sorry about that. You said it. Oh. Your words, not mine. Amazing. Hey. Yes, I mean, I somehow read backwards up the uh, up the, the page from the bottom as opposed That's to from so the top. That's so weird. <laughs> I don't know so why I did weird. that. How did you do that? I don't know. Well, great effort. Uh, let's uh, um, go now to Dr. Matt Parrish mm. from International SOS. He joined us earlier in the week to talk all things COVID-19. Yes. And you pitched him the idea of the week. What do you think if I, I go to the dog groomer and ask him for a haircut? I'm not sure it would do you justice there, Mike. Can they really well, you know, I'm looking keep for your locks sort of Irish, in their perfect... I'm looking for the uh, Irish setter look. The Irish setter? Yes. You know. That's quite a good idea. Maybe I'll have that. There's a, well, there's you know, a dog groomer. I mean, it would, help, it would help them with their finances, right? We could pay yeah. them. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what... I don't know if you'd have to be on all fours and they just clip around, you know. I think I could, <laughs> I could see it working. You have noises as well. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to go for it. I think it is a good idea. In fact, I'd forgotten I'd even come up with it. But now you've reminded me, I'm going to go and seek out maybe a dog groomer. Well, listen, it's one for your podcast, one of the many yes. podcasts that you've got yes, going indeed. on at the, the moment. Yes, the dogma, yes, So, quite. you know, could be, you. it could be one interesting experience. You can find, like, a celebrity dog groomer. Yes. But and, I won't um, say what I said the other day, though, because that seemed to upset you about the position that I would have to... Um, Ah, uh, no, 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 no. A, a, advance. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Let's not. We won't go there. <laughs> no. Thank you. However, we are going to go over to our sister station, Talk Sport. Oh, uh, yes. Breakfast host Alan Brazil had some communication problems ah. earlier in the week. Graham Gooch, Gucci, morning. Morning, Graham. <laughs> are, you t- are you on top of a bridge, Graham? <laughs> Sounds a bit windy uh, there. Blackwell Tunnel. Go through. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Brilliant. That's great. I don't know what happened after, but I don't think we need to Doesn't know, matter. to be honest. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fine. It's a clip without context. Still the master, isn't he? He's brilliant. Oh, gosh. He's the king. Yeah. Um, another one for you, Mike. Yes. Another perrier. Uh, this time you win it for it. Coming up uh, with your own version of the popular game, 21 Questions. How do we get to work? When do we get to work? When do we leave work? When do we go on holiday? When do we go home? How do we go home? How do we get wherever we're going? How do we get back from wherever it is we've been? How do we use the car? Where do we find the keys? What are we going to do about those shoes that we have to put on? Should we put the left one on first or the right one first? Should you ask the government for absolutely every single decision that you have to make? Should you have sugar in your tea? Uh, should you have butter on your toast? Should you add some marmalade? What if you haven't got any marmalade? What are you going to do then? You're going to call Downing Street and ask them the marmalade hotline to see whether the marmalade might be available somewhere along the line. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I counted them. It's 21. Is it 21? Yeah, How well bizarre. done. Very good. You know, that's why it takes me so long to get out of the house every day because, you know, <laughs> obviously I have the checklist of things. Goodness me. Yeah. And, and you get Boris's authorization for all of them. Yeah, I have to. He has, it's got to be done because, yeah. uh, you know, otherwise we can't go out. Yeah. You know, he yeah. doesn't reply to me, so at the moment I'm just functioning illegally. Is that right? Yes. Well, thank goodness you've got the papers, though. Correct. Yeah, you did make sure you did that, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Good. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want somebody dragging you out of here at any point. Well, listen... Uh, Take you to the airport. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I 
thankfully, there's no one planes. Of, uh, no, there's worry. no planes. Thankfully, one of the friends of the show, employment lawyer Philip Landau, yes, joined us earlier in the week, uh, and he wins a perry for pointing out the non-question of the week. If there's a genuine redundancy, then then sure. Yeah, I'm mean, thinking about people from British Airways or people from EasyJet, possibly, or other airlines. Virgin have talked about it as well. Well, so what's the question, Mike? Are you, are you saying... <laughs> what's the question? God's sake. <laughs> There's no question. Well, We've got we're conversation. questions. Yeah. I mean, well, you listen. know, it's, I'm not that difficult to understand, you normally. Yeah, sometimes, most of the time. Mm. Um, anyway, I'm going to race through this last okay. two. Uh, and just to show that I'm also quite happy to point out my own mistakes. Yes. Here's a peri for me that I have named the... Oops, I forgot to update the screen again. <laughs> Also, Prime Minister's questions coming as well with Charlotte Ivers, with Boris Johnson and with Keir Starmer. First, though, here's the news um, with Sandy Wall. Talk Radio News. Good afternoon, I'm James Neish. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't Sandy Wall, was it? Certainly wasn't. But nobody had told Gosh, me. No, So that's good of you not. to own up and not yeah. blame me for it. Oh, listen, definitely. I, I, I can play this yes. game. Um, but and finally, and speaking of playing the blame game, uh, this time uh, we've got the technical mistake. Of the week. Unfortunately, mm. we can't blame it on engineer James Larvin. That's a shame. We can't blame it on studio manager Mark Gale. Okay. Although there's been a couple of um, incompetence There uh, have been one or two, yes. Yes. In this show. True. But hey, we'll, 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 we'll gloss over <laughs> that. Uh, this time, it's on you, Mike. Is it? Please enjoy the period for the technical issue of the week. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Here we are. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing back, uh, for some reason, my own voice, which is very strange. It can happen. Yeah. It does happen. This is when I have, unfortunately, opened the, the phone up and, for some reason, the video just starts playing. Yeah. It does it, it's done it a couple of times. It's done it a few times before. Mm. Uh, I know. It's not that I'm know. such a massive narcissist that I sit during the breaks listening to what I've just done. I mean, you also do that. But I do occasionally yeah. do that, just because I haven't always remembered what I said. <laughs> so it's Bless. a good idea to listen back. It is a good idea. Yeah, but to make anyway. sure I haven't libelled anyone. No. No, no, that, don't so worry. So technically that's what that I'm was a legal for. check that I was doing. OK, fair enough then. Well, was so a legal I apologise. <laughs> listen, keep going. It's really amusing. Mm. Um, anyway, that's all for the pair of awards. I'm so late. There'll be more next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.